0: I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump in today. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have great things in store for us. Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you would move in this house, that you would have uh, your meeting today, you wouldn't just invade ours, but you would have yours, God, that you would move however you will and that we would be willing to receive all that you have. God, I thank you for these words that we have just sung, that we would receive your reign. God, I ask that you would reign in this room this morning and continue to reign. Lord, that we would be swimming in your grace and your presence, God. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, God. In your name I pray, amen. I've only got 29 minutes. Oh my goodness. I want to tell you a story so bad. It's like killing me. So I'm going to do it because I want to. And they gave me a microphone, right? So uh, y'all remember a couple of years ago, I preached a sermon. I told you about uh, my shark story and I had like this shark that almost ate me, right? Maybe that's exaggerating a little bit, but my brother-in-law is here today, so I can blame him, right? So Tyler Acord, everybody over here. I'm publicly shaming him for telling me that the tarpon were running in the Gulf and that if I put a giant crab on my line, I might be able to catch one. And the next thing I know, I'm standing in like stomach deep water face to face with what seemed to be about a 10 foot bull shark, which is... Gotta be the scaredest I've ever been in my entire life. And my wife said I didn't know a human's eyes could get that big because I turned to run and I was out on a sandbar and I turned to run and I was like, whoa! I didn't yell. I might have yelled at explicatives. I confess. I was scared, right? I was scared. And so I turned and I ran and I like stepped off the sandbar into like deeper water and then I was even more scared and I left the rod and all this stuff. Anyway, so. That's the old story, right? So this week, I went back to the beach again. Woo! So uh, Hannah and I took the kids. We realized they hadn't been uh, at the beach at all this year. And so we had opportunity to go for like just two days. And so we all packed up and just spontaneous, you know, young parents thing, jumped in the car and drove down to Pensacola Beach, Florida, where... Brant Carita was down there with his family, and he was patiently waiting my arrival so that we could do nothing other than go shark fishing. Right? You thought I'd learned my lesson by now. So kids go to bed, everybody goes to sleep, and it's probably like 8 or 9 o'clock, and Brant and I go out to this bait store that we had found out earlier in the day is open 24 hours a day, which is dangerous. Right? So we go in get a couple of energy drinks because it's getting late and I'm getting older. And, uh, and we buy, I go in, I said, we want to catch a shark. And the guy's like, I got what you need. And he gives me a bait that's like this big, right? It's just a giant fish, okay? And I was like, this will work. Give me two of them. And so we get two and we've got these poles and they are like, I mean, we, we are set up. I mean, like we've got everything we need. And uh, we go out there and we fish and, fish and fish and fish and fish and fish and fish and nothing. I mean, we catch like some catfish and stuff on some of our smaller bait. And I'm like, what is going on? This is getting horrible. And I get this idea. Oh, I still can't believe I did this. I get this idea. Brent, it's getting late. It's about 1 o'clock now in the morning, right? Brant's getting late. Water's real black. It's real dark. We got to get our bait out past the sandbar if we're going to catch a big old shark. And he goes, if you're in, I'm in, right? (laughs) Horrible idea. And so we get, I open this bait and I get the one that we haven't touched yet, right? And it's like, bloody and nasty. Sorry. And it's like, you know, and you've seen Shark Week. A shark can smell a drop of blood over a mile away, you know. And so I'm like, all right, this would be great. And so we wade out into this water and we go and go. And I'm like, I feel like in my mind, I'm losing sight of the shore. Right. And I'm like, oh man, oh man, why, why is this happening? We get out there and I'm like, all right, here's the idea. I'm gonna swing this bait on the hook around my head like a lasso and I'm just gonna throw it as hard as I can. And you just let go of the drag. Actually, just give it to me. I'll do both. You hold the flashlight. And so I've got both and I'm like, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna let go of the drag and it's gonna fly out. It's gonna be amazing. And then we're gonna walk it back in. (laughs) Meanwhile, we're walking out there and I'm dripping fish blood into the water, right? Shark week running through my mind. I'm like, we gotta hurry, we gotta hurry. And We get all the way out, and I'm no joke. Like we're like right here, and waves are coming, and we're having to jump over the waves to keep your head up. <laughs> yeah, real smart. And I, I go like this, and I'm swinging it, and I let go, and it gets hung up on the pole, and that fish just goes, right there, right in front of me, and I go, oh no! <laughs> and Brant is like, what happened? And I'm like, we gotta get it, we gotta get. I'm freaking out, and I'm like, we're gonna, we're gonna, and so then we get it and we pull it out. Well, now the now the uh, the line is in a knot, and I'm like, break, hold the flashlight, hold the rod, and I'm like, working on this knot, and I can't get it. Meanwhile, the fish is just like floating in the water right next to me, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and we're out there, no joke, for like five minutes, and then you, you will never believe what happened next. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. We get the knot done, we throw the line out, we walk back into shore, not a bite. That's it. That's all straight. That's the whole thing. Nothing happened. It was fine. We're good. He's fine. We didn't catch anything. It's great. Okay. <laughs> you want to read the Bible? <laughs> I had to tell you, we will, we, will, we will reference this story again. I'm not going to just tell you a story, just tell you, though, I, I could do that. I'm not going to. All right, revival. We're going to jump into Acts 2, right, we'll talk about one of our first stories of revivals or one of our biblical stories of revival. Acts 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated on them to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as they were enabled. I love this. We see right after this, there's this massive incoming into the kingdom. You have Peter and and all these people in the upper room and this fire falls on them and they start speaking in the tongues of of other people, speaking real languages of other people. And then Peter gets this, I gotta gotta preach. I gotta tell them about the truth. And he he quotes Joel 2 and he says... All sons and daughters will prophesy and there will be this massive incoming when the Spirit of the Lord falls on on us. And it happens. And 5,000 people, men, right? So maybe more, give their life to Jesus. 5,000. Like a whole lot of people, a whole lot of people come running into the kingdom on the back of the poor out of the Spirit. So as we talk about revival today, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the history of revival and, and maybe where we are right now. But as we talk about it today, we've got to remember that revival and the ministry of the Holy Spirit are like this, okay? So I know that there are some of you in this room who probably uh, revival or is... Maybe a, uh, a, a muddy subject to you. Maybe you don't know a whole lot about it. You've probably heard the word here or there. Um, but maybe you don't know a ton little about it. So I want to tell you a little bit about revival today. So, first thing you need to know is that God loves revival, right? It's his idea, it's what he does. And as we are. Uh, his people, and as we are believers and the church, it's something he wants to partner with us to do. Revival's a good thing. Historically, there have been revivalists such as Jonathan Edwards, right? Jonathan Edwards was this incredible revivalist. He was at the forefront of the Great Awakening. There he is. Look at old John Ed. Good man. At the forefront of the Great Awakening, it was said that his preaching was so uh, full of the Spirit, some of his peers, that there were massive conversions all over the colonies, all over the area, right? They just moved from town to town to town to town as they felt led by the Lord to preach. Jeremiah Lampier, this is one of my favorites. Jeremiah Lampier, look, this dude was just a businessman. He was hired by the church as a layperson just to have a prayer meeting on Tuesdays. At noon, you know who else does that, right? Tuesdays at noon, just a business dude. He wasn't even a pastor and they would meet. Here's the crazy thing. Last, uh, last Sunday was like the 120, no, some hundred something year anniversary of that prayer meeting, right? So this week is the anniversary of the second prayer meeting they had. First one was on September 23rd. The second one was on September 30th. And he came in, nobody was there. It was just him, and he just decided he would pray as a businessman, just that God would show up or do whatever God wanted to. You know how it goes. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And like six people strolled in around 12.30, and they prayed till about one, and that was it the first week. And then the second week, 40 people showed up. <laughs> and they prayed till about... One and then the next week a hundred people showed up. And they prayed till about one. And then the next week, thousand people show up and they start popping up all over because there's this market crash and all these businessmen are like, oh no, we need God. And God breaks in. Hundreds of thousands of people come to the Lord because these prayer meetings start by a businessman in New York. It's amazing. Charles Finney, right? With the second great awakening. My favorite thing about Charles Finney is actually not Charles Finney at all, except for those eyes like that. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I'm like, I do not. He, if he was my dad, not that, yeah. If he was my dad and he was like, I was ever in trouble, I just think I would just like scream and run away. Like, I, I don't even know what to do. Like, that would be worse than any timeout, any spanking, anything. That right there, just way bad. Anyway, so my favorite thing about Charles Finney is not even Charles Finney. My favorite thing about Charles Finney is his friend, Daniel Nash, right? Charles Finney has this buddy named Daniel Nash who would go with him everywhere that he was going to preach, he would go days before him, days, not hours, not like, hey, we're gonna have like a, a, an eight o'clock prayer meeting for the nine o'clock sermon that you're gonna teach. He would go days. Let me read you, I'll, I have a testimony I'll read you about him. Daniel Nash, on one occasion, this is crazy. On one occasion, when I got to town to start a revival, right, to start a revival, a lady contacted me who ran a boardhouse. house. She said, Brother Finney, so this is the account of Charles Finney. Brother Finney, do you know of Father Nash? He and two other men have been at my boarding house for the last three days, but they haven't eaten a bite of food. I opened the door, I'm gonna cry. Mm. I opened the door and peeped in at them because I could hear them groaning and I saw them down on their faces They have been this way for three days, laying prostrate before the Lord and groaning. I thought something awful must have happened to them. I was afraid to go in, and I didn't know what to do. Would you please come and see about them? Finney replied, no, (laughs) it isn't necessary. They just have the spirit of travailing prayer. What? Oh, Jesus. That's probably why my favorite part of Charles Finney is Daniel Nash, right? And I think Charles Finney's favorite part about Charles Finney was Daniel Nash too, right? He said absolutely nothing would have happened in any of his meetings if Daniel Nash hadn't been praying. Then there's William Seymour. Oh! William Seymour started the Azusa Street revivals, or was, right? My man, right? In California, in Azusa. They have a seminary na- there now. And he did this in the wake of this massive segregation and discrimination, and it brought people together. Yes. Of every race and color and ethnicity, all worshiping in one voice in unity, cross denominationally, just. Wild stuff. And it swept the nation as well. Then there's Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts in the Welsh revival, a young man, right, in Wales, who, who went to college and was like, I just can't do this anymore, and goes home and works in the coal mines and, and prays. And he prays these words, Lord, bend us. Right? Right? <laughs> And he prays and he prays. And people are like, what are you doing? Like, why didn't you go to school? You're smart. You know, you're good looking. What are you doing? He goes, God's going to bring revival. And he's putting his old reputation on it. But some of you know, and, and especially those of you who came to the, to the conference with us last week, but some of you know that the Welsh revival wasn't started by Evan Roberts praying, Lord, bend us. It was started by the Holy Spirit. And, and a willingness even of a young girl to state all she had on the Holy Spirit moving in her town. You see, little Flory Evans, 14-year-old little girl, 14 years old, is at a church service. And they asked for testimony and, and the recording says that, you know, there was one after the other testimonies given of, you know, the Lord blessed me financially or, or we had this happen this week and, and the cat was in the tree, but the fire department got here. And, you know, good things. And this 14-year-old little girl comes up and stands in front of a church of, of older people, right? And she says... If no one else will give testimony, I will. I love my Lord Jesus with all my heart. Whew. Conviction drops in the room and everyone encounters God. So much so they can't leave. Like they can't, they can't move. Revival starts to break out. Young people start running to God. Bars start closing down. They have to retrain their animals because people aren't cussing anymore. Spontaneous worship starts breaking (laughs) out, right? Start breaking out in the coal mines. Like you got coal miners in the dark, in the down, in the soot, in the dirtiest, darkest places working for minimum wage and they're singing joyously to God. crazy. D.L. Moody in Chicago, all about the orphans, all about the orphans and the kids. And he gets this vision that if our young people can grasp God, oh man, it could change the course of our nation. Finney was accused, this is amazing. Finney was accused of making religion the opiate of the masses. That he was causing people to be so addicted to Jesus that it was like messing everything up. The opiate of the masses. I can't like, (laughs) I think that's probably the best accusation anybody's ever given anyone. I don't think he argued with that except to say that it was the spirit. It's crazy. Who wouldn't want to be a part of a revival? Who wouldn't want that? Like, I feel like we all have that pit up inside of us that we long for that place. To see God move in a city, see a million people come to Jesus. Two million, three million, a hundred million. The first thing that we need to know about revival is that it's 100% about conversion. It's about Jesus. It's about people falling wildly and radically in love with Jesus. It's not just about feel goods, right? And that fuzzy feelings and warm feelings, but those things come. But it's about people coming into relationship with Jesus and the lost being found. The second thing that we need to know is that Charles Finney, Evan Roberts, Floria Evans, even, as much as it pains me because I love the idea of a 14-year-old girl wrecking all of Wales. Uh, none of these people started a revival. I know, I know, I know that we've said that a thousand times and I'm probably being really controversial even saying this. Not a single one of these people started a revival. They started a revival about as much as I invented pizza. Pizza. I love pizza, they love revival. I eat pizza, I think they ate of the fruit of revival but they did not invent it and they did not start it. The Holy Spirit is who brings revival. They positioned themselves in a way to receive it out of submission to God but not a single one of them started it. The third thing that you need to know, the last thing, is that historically, I hate this, historically, it has always proven that the atmosphere was primed for revival to happen. This is why I hate this. The atmosphere was always that something really bad happened right before revival broke out. Like with the business men's meeting, there was a market crash Right With the Welsh revival, there was a rapid decline in the morality of, of the young people. This is why, and some of you remember this, and this, we had the anniversary, just to, there was a, a massive outcry right after 9-11 for revival in our town, revival in our country, revival in America, right? You felt the weight of that. We all did, and we were unified in a moment, like everything came in and there was this massive hurt. And in the wake of a hurt, all we wanted was for Jesus to come back. So now some of you who maybe weren't as familiar with revival, you have a little bit of a taste, right? A little bit. Now, some of you, I totally know this. Some of you have been Educated and walking and studying and pouring yourself out over the scriptures uh, in regards to revival for a long time. And you've been praying for revival and you've been seeking revival to come to Riverstone, to come to Cobb County, to move in Kennesaw, to shake our nation. And you've been praying about these things. Listen, I, hear me really loud and clearly. Thank you. Keep going. Keep going. You know that thing that's inside of you that's pent up that you you have to meet the Lord in prayer weekly daily to ask that he would pour out his spirit that sons and daughters might come into re- relationship with him and you have that it's pent up inside of your bones and you can't get it out thank you keep going Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking. Hmm. Allow revival to take root in your heart, to lead you into holiness like we haven't seen before. Allow it to happen. Like keep, stay in that place. You've learned, right? If you've if you're praying for revival, if it's taken root in you, you and I know some of you in this room. It's you. I, I look around the room and I I see you. I've seen you. Right? Keep going. Let it go deeper still, because it can. Hmm. And some of us have had other seasons. Some of us have had seasons, as, as I talk about this, you, you remember the move of God in your life. You remember that you once had all-night prayer meetings. You, you had those encounters. You had those moments where spontaneous worship was breaking out in, in your family or in, in your church or in, maybe even in your workplace, depending on where you work and And there were things that that happened and and you couldn't couldn't shut up about Jesus. Your waiters and waitresses did not stand a chance because you were going to tip them double and you were gonna tell them about Jesus because you had this thing inside of you. But over time, it grew cold. And over time you began to lose sight of why you were praying for what you were praying for. Maybe maybe you prayed and you didn't ever really see what you were praying for and you had hope deferred. Maybe you thought it was going to be like a shark attack and nothing happened. Maybe you thought it was going to look one way and it looked another. Maybe you thought it was going to look like something and it looked like nothing. And you stopped praying. Maybe as you hear me talking about this, maybe... Maybe the spirit's moving in conviction and you're beginning to think about those moments and realizing that your heart has grown cold. You're asking yourself, but why should I really want revival? Let me tell you. We should want revival because there are people on our streets that don't know Jesus. We should want revival because there are people on our streets who don't know Jesus. We should want revival because there are people on our streets who don't know Jesus. It's all we got. Maybe you stop praying because you got a good job and you got a good house and you got a good school and you got a good this and that and this and that. Or maybe you stop praying because Maybe you stop praying because you're too busy. And you got work and you got kids and I know because I sit in this room on Sundays and I used to think, man, what if we never leave? And now I think about what am I going to give my kids for lunch? And I think, man, I really hope this ends. I really hope this hurry it gets over so that I can go and get about the things that I have to do. This should never end. That should not be our priority when there are people on our street who don't know Jesus. We've put so much of our schedules and our times and the things that we have to get done ahead of kingdom value that there are people on our street who don't know Jesus and we need him to break in. Our schedules are not the most important thing. They're good. Schedules are good. But good can be the enemy of great. And God has great things in store if we will just give him ourselves, give him our prayers, give him our time, that he would reach The world, because he is worthy of the glory of everyone in Cobb County knowing him. If your heart has grown cold when praying for revival, I pray that today a fire would be reignited. It can happen if you will let it happen. I understand that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that, like I said, some of you prayed for revival for years, feeling like it never came. And so now... There are other things that you want to put your hand to. I believe with everything in me, and and I I had to come to grips with this this week. I believe with everything in me, this way of thinking is something worthy of being repented of. That settling for good is something worthy of being repented of. That sitting down instead of standing up for revival, is something worth being repented of. So, as the ministry team comes today, uh, and they're gonna come, and I don't know if we even have any. That's okay. If you need to find a place on these stairs or this altar to repent, don't wait one second. One second. If you know without a shadow of a doubt that there is a place in you that has longed for a reviving and yet it's grown cold, come, find a place on this altar and ask God to ignite a fire inside of you. He deserves the glory and there are people in our town who don't know Jesus. If you have never stepped into this relationship with God and you think that I am a madman, find me, talk to me. I want to tell you about my Jesus. Why don't you stand with me? Jesus, we thank you that it's you who brings revival. God, we ask right now, Lord, that you would pour it out, pour it out in this house, pour it out in the houses that surround this house, God. God, I ask that you would spring up revival in Riverstone, North Metro, Life Bridge, Cobb Vineyard, every church in the area. Piedmont Church, God. Awaken it, God. Westridge Church, God. God, I ask that you would move in a mighty move of the Spirit, God. Lord, we need you. Lord, we don't want to wait for something bad to happen to ask you to move. Lord, what if we could go from good to great? Why should we wait for bad things to happen to pray? when you're calling us into a revival right where we are. Jesus, I ask right now, Lord, for everyone in this room that's willing and ready that you would impregnate us with the spirit of revival. Lord, that you would fill us with a hunger and thirst for the things, the more of you, God. Lord, for those of us who have grown cold, God, I ask that you would warm our hearts Massage our hearts, God, back into life. Breathe life on us, God. For those of us who are just learning of things of revival, God, I ask that you would spark a wonder and a curiosity to go further into holiness, further into relationship with you, God. And for those who have been praying patiently and longingly, God, I ask, Lord, that you would release blessing and favor Lord, that you would give them the desires of their hearts and you would break in in revival. Break in, God. Break in, God. In your name I pray.